Hello and welcome to Crank It Commentaries. As always, I'm your host, Jake Del Mastro. And as always, I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hey, how's it going? Um, I just thought of a really great idea for, for a film. Yeah? Yeah, so hear me out. So it opens, and it's like, I don't know, kind of like feudal Japan, I, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and like... And then you've got like a bunch of a bunch of guys there, and there's this guy, like an older an older guy, and his three sons, right? Yeah. And then the first son is kind of an idiot. The second son is kind of conniving, and then the third son's like a, a a chill dude. What do you think about my movie idea? It reminds me of another movie uh, that I watched. Uh, I watched it the other day. Oh yeah. No, I think we should make my movie. We should make my movie. I've already got like shot for shot an idea of what it's gonna look like. Really, um, I don't know. I mean, I was watching a film just the other day. Uh, it was it was a Japanese movie. It was called uh, Ran, I think, or Ron, maybe. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Who knows? Nobody knows. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great movie. That's Is actually it? the film I'm talking about. Should we talk? Should we talk about that movie instead? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that movie. <laughs> Did you watch it? <laughs> Yeah, I watched it. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. It's a great movie. Indeed. So yeah, if you didn't guess, that's the film we're talking about today, Rand, if you didn't guess by our amazing introduction. And uh, the reference that I was making there was to, obviously, Sergio Leone. What? Did he copy this movie? No, but oh, he stole Oh, you were making from... an idea for a movie. I was... I see. Yeah. Uh, my That was the whole bit I was doing there. Okay. Well, okay. So here's here's my idea. Okay. So there's like this um I guess he's like uh he's 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 a guy, he's an old guy, but he's like in charge of like a criminal gang in like the old west. Right? Oh, that's a good idea. And then he has three like sons. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> he's got three sons, right? <laughs> and he has to like bequeath his like That's uh, a great idea. Operation to these um these uh sons, but you know they're all like untrustworthy, right? <laughs> Fuck, that's a great idea but, for a but film. But it's in the old west. It's not in Japan. I think that's. Oh, it has nothing yeah, to do it's with Japan. nothing to do with Japan. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So um, I guess we'll get to it. Uh... <laughs> yeah, we can move on. Is there any before we move on? We have any crane kick news? I'm gonna start asking you this at the beginning of every podcast. Uh, well, um, I don't think so. Do you have any? Do you have any news? Nope, no crank kick news. I just why did you ask? I'd ask you because I thought maybe you'd have some. Would I? I don't know. Well, I mean, but if you know, there was so if there was news, I think you would know it, wouldn't you? Most likely, I would know it before going in, but you know, I <laughs> then ask, what's the point of asking? Well, I'll ask you next week and every episode following. Why don't you just week. ask me if there's news when you know there's news? So this is episode. This is part one. Yes. Out of out of two parts. Yes. Um, as we usually slash always do two parts. Well, there are a couple of movies um, we haven't done two parts on. Sometimes it's one. Okay. Sometimes yeah. it's three. Yes. Well, just one. Just the one time so far. Um, but so I thought we I mean, outlined this, movie, this a little bit. If we really wanted to, we could have made this three. Well, well, we'll see how long this episode <laughs> goes, and no promises. Um, but so you're saying no promises? This might be three. <laughs> Yeah, no promises at this at this point in time. I'm not guaranteeing it as of two parts, but here's what we have planned for you. So in this in this part, part one, we're gonna go through some of the basic facts, the uh, 
the synopsis, which will be fun for Jake to get through, and then uh, our initial thoughts, and then we've got a bunch of fun segments after that that we're gonna we'll we'll save till the uh, till the time that we get to them. Um, and then in part two, we're gonna actually talk a lot about the uh, the director himself, who we'll get into in a moment. Yeah, we'll talk Akira about sort Kurosawa. of uh, also where he got his influences for this film. Uh, exactly, and, and then, we'll talk about that a bit this episode yeah. as well, but. We will, yeah, and then uh, we're going to do some mystery segment, and then we'll give our final thoughts, as always. And, yeah, of course, of course, always end on the final thoughts after some sort of mystery segment that only, uh, yeah, only those above know the the, uh, contents of. Well, let's move on to the the, uh, 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 basic facts. Basic facts, indeed. Basically, ran in Japanese means chaos or turmoil also rebellion or revolt which so it's an extremely it's extremely on the nose title yeah yeah I, I like it so director yeah director Akira Kurosawa <laughs> yes um, I think actually we talked a little bit before about potentially like doing like films by like you know quote unquote great directors to try to like you know I don't know what our uh, plan was. It was just kind of to. Uh, it it was a a free form plan that we didn't really uh, right. uh, nail down. Well, but, yeah. but we are doing that, just we very haphazardly, that. Half-ha- in a haphazard way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but anyway, I, I the my point is, I would put Akira Kurosawa in that caliber. Absolutely, yeah. and I think we've mentioned him before. Uh, we definitely just in passing a couple yeah. times, mostly just because of his uh, stature. Yeah. So you said he directed this film, but actually he also well, I co-wrote. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't mean to say <laughs> I wasn't you, stopping there. That you weren't gonna go on. Yeah. The <laughs> point being that he he also co-wrote and uh, and edited this film, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I I think he tended to do a lot of editing. So himself. have you seen any of the any other films that any of the uh, lead actors have been in? that you're familiar with uh yes um okay let me just because i've seen other i've seen kagamusha obviously uh and i think there are a lot of there's a lot of overlap with that movie i've seen well yeah i was gonna say there's probably some overlap but yeah um i've seen uh rashomon i don't know if there's any connections but this is a kirikosawa movies right there is some overlap there's quite a bit of overlap now that i'm looking yeah at. So, I mean, if you've seen, like, I think Akira Kurosawa tends to work with, like, the same actors over and over again. Um, yeah. Most notably, uh, friggin' uh, Toshiro Mufune, who is not in this movie, actually. Not in this movie, but we have talked about him before. Yeah, we did, actually. And we might talk about him again. We might. Yeah, so I, I've definitely seen a lot of these actors before. Yeah. I watched Yojimbo fairly recently. Yeah. A good movie. I mean, if you've ever seen uh, Fistful of Dollars, you've also seen Yojimbo. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, I don't know if that's entirely true. I feel like it's more fair to say if you've seen Yojimbo, you've also seen <laughs> Fistful of Dollars. I think that's the more fair way to right. say it. Okay. To the to Kurosawa. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, what we're alluding to is again Sergio Leone. Sergio Leone being a. a a bit of a uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking plagiarist? for? Plagiarist? 
plagiarist. Yeah, sure. That's a lot more straight up than what I was looking for. But yeah, exactly. That's literally what it is. So that's we'll, we'll call well, it. Well, I mean, it to be fair, he did pay Kurosawa, or at least Toho. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They paid. They got paid off. So. <laughs> They what made almost no money off that film. Anyway, that's yeah. all that. If you want to know more about that, listen to the 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 Once Upon a Time in the West episode, yeah. which I believe is our last single. Was it single part episode? Well, that's very. Possible. I mean, there's been a couple uh, like special. Well, I think Die Hard but... was a single part. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, but um. Anywho, um, the other weird thing about this film is that it's like a it's a a. a like co-production yes uh between it was a french company and I, I think toho right yeah exactly what do you want to pronounce the french company there <laughs> do you want to just read that actors auteurs associates and also toho yeah uh, which we mentioned in japan yeah, so we'll get into uh, all, there's a lot more of these little basic fact details, but we'll get into all more of these kind of next week when we talk about the production. Um, so do you want to, before we go any further, let's really get into the meat of this film. Why don't you, why don't you give us the synopsis? Take okay. us through this film. So let's start at the beginning. That's a good fucking place to do it with this film. Uh, so this is, let me, let me just, okay, this is a pretty long the, movie, so like, just I'm gonna gloss over some in. things. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But uh, so spoilies abound. Yeah. Uh, we'll start off in Japan. Uh, there is a uh, a sort of like uh, lord, a warlord. Well, yeah, I'm nice. getting to that. <laughs> Uh, Lord Hidetora Ichimonji, and uh, he is uh, getting old. Um, he says he, he looks it. Yeah, he says he's seventy, I think. Uh, which is actually kind of funny because um, the actor who plays him is now eighty-eight. So he was anyway. He was he would have been considerably younger than seventy when he did the film. No, yeah, the the old man, yeah, exactly. I mean, you can, yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah, um, but anyway, uh, he was um, so this Lord Hidetora Ichimanji, he's getting old, and he wants to like you know bequeath, I guess, some of his uh, empire to his sons. Um, yeah, it sounds a lot like my the film I was talking about earlier. It does sound like that. It also sounds like something else. And if you pick up on that, we'll get to it later. Um, <laughs> Indeed. So uh, he has three sons, Taro, Jiro, and Saburo. And they all hear this plan that he's going to basically give Taro his first castle. He's going to give Jiro his second castle. And he's going to give Saburo his third castle. Taro gets the best castle as the firstborn. Well, yeah. But also Taro gets to be, like, you know, in charge. Uh, yeah, he's like... But, new guy. but Hidetora is going to keep his, like, uh, title and, like, just going to kind of chill around the castle with all his buds. Yeah, title's immediately a big red flag. Like, at least change the title. Wow. Nah, he's got to keep it because he's the lord of uh, oh, the house of Ichimaji, The grand, uh, yeah. grand lord or whatever. Uh, so, uh... Taro and Jiro, they're very on board with this plan, but Saburo, his youngest son, is uh, immediately 
uh, suspect about this, and he's like, uh, so by the way, you know how you, uh, you know, you got all this shit by basically, like, doing some sketchy things, because you're, like, a warlord and that, and you had yeah. to kill a lot of people. Uh, do you really think that you can just, like, trust your empire to, like, anybody else? To just be chill, yeah, yeah. with some other person... And then charge. Uh, he's like, "Yeah, it's kind of a foolish thing to do." And then Hidetora's like, "Don't you fucking talk back to me." <laughs> yeah, you stupid little motherfucker. <laughs> and then he's like, "I'm just trying to uh, be do what's in your best interest, man. I'm just trying to be honest with you." Yeah, and then t- Tango is yeah, like, yeah, "Tango man. is like, yeah, he tells the truth. He's brash, but he tells the truth." And uh, but. Um, Itatora's like, nah, fuck you. You don't even get the third castle. I, in fact, I banish you. You are now <laughs> exiled. Uh, and you too, Tango, because fuck you. <laughs> bit, bit rash, but you know he is the grand lord. Yeah, he's 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 the damio. Um, okay, so then uh, Saburo's like, well, fuck you. I don't need you anyway. So he just like leaves. <laughs> And uh, on his way out, he is uh, met by who is some guy. No, who's the other? I can't remember his his name. He has a name. I'm looking at the cast here to try to remember what which guy it was. Yes, Fujimaki. Fuji. Oh yeah, yeah. Catches yeah, yeah. up with them as uh, as Tango and uh, Saburo are leaving, and he's like, uh, Fujimaki is like another warlord. He's like, hey, uh, I see how you handled your uh, that uh, situation back there. You know, uh, I like how you speak your mind. How about you come, come marry my daughter? <laughs> yeah, come marry my daughter. <laughs> uh, because, you know, uh, I mean, you're going to be like an exile and that's probably not going to be very fun. So why don't you just come chill with me? <laughs> and then he's yeah, like and Saburo's well Saburo is just like that's crazy I've never met your daughter yeah and <laughs> but Saburo's like okay uh, fine I'll come with you uh, Fujimaki you seem cool and uh, sure uh, I don't know who your daughter is but I guess I'll marry her <laughs> yeah, and right, that's the last we see in. of Saburo for a little while for quite a while yeah uh, meanwhile uh, fucking Taro is like, um, you know, he's hanging out in the castle, his new castle, because he's now in charge of it. Uh, but his dad is like, you know, uh, being all rowdy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his dad's being all rowdy. They all and like, um, and his uh, his wife, uh, Lady Kaida, um, who just gives off sketchy vibes. <laughs> is immediately well, like uh sorry she's not sc- well yeah okay she gives off slightly i mean she has like vibes. um like she has reasons for being that way but like yeah yeah, yeah. she's, she's conniving, definitely sketchy she's, yeah anyway uh she's like uh why does he get to keep the title uh, when when you're you should really be the uh, have the title you know yeah she you're... calls him a shadow yeah yeah exactly um, see so he's like well I don't know because 
I don't know. Because he's still around. He's yeah. still there. He's, but, he's... but she's like, you need to go, uh, you know, uh, make sure that your dad makes you, like, gives you the title for yeah, pride. Yeah, he, he has to, like, r- like, you know, yeah, because step down for real. Basically, uh, one day uh, when, uh, you know, oh, I completely haven't even mentioned the character of the fool yet. The fool, yeah, okay. Okay, so anyway, there's a fool uh, who is like... A jester, if you will. Yeah, uh, named Kayomi. And uh, he is like, you know... Very important, integral character. Very rowdy, is I think. I think rowdy, that... Rowdy, no, it's eccentric. Yeah, no, what I'm saying, like, uh, this, this whole chain of events gets set off. When essentially uh, the fool writes a song about Taro, which is making fun of him. Right, yeah. And the fool is uh, 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 unwaveringly loyal to, what's his name, the original uh, great Hidatoro. lord? Toro. Uh And so basically uh, the warriors of Taro are incredibly offended by this and... Uh, one of them draws a sword on the fool and seems about to kill him when he gets shot by an arrow fired by none other than Lord Hidetora himself. From the tower. From the tower that he's hanging out in. Um, Saves the fool. This incident does not go over well with uh, Toro. (laughs) Yeah, Toro's pissed. Well, I mean, I don't know if Toro uh, is pissed so much as, like, you know, I guess he seems... He seems genuinely pissed as well, but yeah, Yeah. what's her name? Uh, Lady Kieda is mad because, you know, uh, basically, I guess she sees it as, like, emasculating him. Yeah, yeah, and, like, he's the leader and, like... Yeah, why should he... Uh, have to deal one of with his this guards shit. One got of, yeah killed and he's not even doing anything murdered. about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. It's a it's intense shit, man. So uh, basically, uh, he delivers an ultimatum to uh, to uh, his father, and it's like you need to give me the the title. Basically, just it needs to be a proper succession. Yeah, you need to like fucking abdicate fully, uh, or you're out of here. You know, kind of thing. Or I'm going to make you do it. Yeah, or I'm going to kick your ass out of here, and you need to sign this fucking form with your blood. Yeah, blood blood document. <laughs> and, and he says, basically, I'll sign your fucking form, but fuck you, I'm leaving anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to come back because I hate you. You're my least favorite son now. Yeah, other so, than... so now he's down one son. Uh, two sons, if you count. Two sons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Samurai's already banished. <laughs> he banished, yeah. So he goes Saburo. to the castle number two, where Jiro yeah. is hanging out. Um, and uh, meanwhile, Jiro has got info from uh, Taro. Taro that um, fucking Hidetora is bad news. <laughs> he's off the ra- he's off the rails. He's, he's off, off he's his off rocker. The, he's off his rocker, and that uh, and he's off the rails. He's causing stirring shit up. His 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 uh his guards especially are especially his 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 guards are rowdy. So uh, Jiro is like, well, I'll let you come in, but uh, not your guards. He doesn't like that, and he's not like, well, fuck you. Uh, I'm not in with that, so I'm just gonna fuck <laughs> off. Uh, and so um, he goes and I guess he talks to 
he, he, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go do my own thing. So um, I guess he's trying to get some food from the local peasants, but they won't give it to him. <laughs> well, they've, they're gone, right? Yeah, they're gone because basically they heard from uh, Tarot that they should... Yeah, word of mouth spread or whatever. Yeah, that they should fuck off and stay away from him. And so yeah. he's like, well, fucking... Uh, this is bullshit. I guess I'm going to castle number three. <laughs> here I go. And that's the empty castle, right? Yeah. Well, so there are some troops here. Uh, but so when he comes to the castle, uh, he's like, all right, I am here by claiming this castle in the name of Lord Hidetora. And they're like, this is my castle. Now, and so the people at the castle are like, fine, we don't want the castle. You know, we're loyal we to Lord Saburo. <laughs> And yeah, we're gonna, gonna go. Yeah, we're gonna go uh, back and see. Uh, we'll go in, find him and yeah, serve we're, him. Yeah, we're going to Fujimaki's place to go serve Saburo because he's the best. Yeah, we're he's uh, we're his his guys. So uh, I guess uh, he begrudgingly is like, "Well, fuck it. I guess I'm hanging out in this castle now with my my boys." Um, but he's not really having a good time, you know. No, he's like. I'm in this castle, but I'm not gonna be happy about it. I yeah. got my own castle, and yeah, and but I want 30... I want the tower and the big castle. <laughs> I want the big castle. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, meanwhile, like uh, things are kind of coming to a head with the uh, Jiro and Taro, and they're like, "Well, why don't we like join forces and we'll take the third castle from our dad?" <laughs> yeah, because we like, have no know. loyalty at all. By the way. <laughs> yeah, they don't give a shit. They're like, fuck him. He's old and crazy. We're uh, going to fucking... We're going to take castle number three from him. Uh, so we commence to see massive battle scene. Uh, <laughs> which is... he, yeah, he wakes up to the most intense battle I've ever seen in my life. Oh, it's... it's it. I mean, Lord of the Rings ain't got nothing on this. Uh, yeah, well, hold up. <laughs> but almost. I think that they're... The, it's it's a very comparable scenario. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so um, meanwhile, all of Hidetora's guards are slaughtered, and he's kind of going crazy uh, from this traumatic experience, I guess. Uh, well, his guards are about to die, right? They're about to be killed. So they like scream up the stairs. They're like, "Prepare yourself, master!" Like it's been like farewell, yeah. and then they get killed. So they mean yeah. like prepare to kill yourself because like a bunch of other people yeah. have already committed seppuku. So he's like he's like sits there and, he, and then he goes to draw his sword, but he realizes he already threw his sword a long time ago. So he doesn't have a sword. So he starts scrambling around looking for a knife to kill himself yeah. with. But he can't find one, so then he goes crazy. So anyway, uh, he leaves the uh, castle, and he's basically let out by all the troops because they're like, well, "We're not gonna fucking kill him." <laughs> like, you know, I think we accomplished what we need to do yeah. here. Uh, but in kind of all this chaos, uh, Taro gets killed <laughs> by uh, one of Jiro's men. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so. I guess Jiro is like, well, now I have two castles, three castles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I'm the king of everything now. Yeah. Turns out that I planned this all along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he was the connivest of the three of the three brothers. Yeah. But he's about to meet his match. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, 
Lady Kaida is all like, uh, well, uh, you know, I guess you uh, killed my husband, but I don't really even give a fuck about him. Uh, you know, why don't... Yeah, a little bit of her backstory. Just oh, that yeah, she, yeah, yeah. I think, I think she's explained at this point a little bit, but like she's the the like the big castle was originally hers when Hedatore Well yeah, her family's castle, yeah. Yeah, he like pillaged it and like forced Killed her, her into entire marriage. family and then yeah. yeah, forced her to like marry his son. So like needless to say she's been through some pretty rough shit, but like Yeah, she doesn't like him or his family at all. She could yeah. give two fucks about them. So but she's like, well, you know, I think you should marry me instead of your wife. Yeah, she seduces him. Yeah, um, and then I guess he's like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're much better apparently than than uh, my wife in but, any way, so I'm going to... But I don't know, I don't know if I should kill my wife. <laughs> Well, he's like, I'm gonna divorce my wife, and she's like, No, no you have that's to kill not her. Good enough. Yeah. I want her. I want her dead. Yeah. And he's like, Whoa. Yeah. So uh, I don't like the sequence of events is getting kind of muddy in my head. But meanwhile, I guess like Hidetora is like wandering around with the fool, and uh... yeah. Well, there's a lot of crazy rambling. And oh, and Tango around. showed up. Yeah. Um, now Tango is like, he was allegedly sent to look after Hidetora by. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Well, he he. I don't really know what happened to him. He rode off in a different direction for a while, then he came back. Yeah. Apparently, as you say, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Saburo. Fucking basically, those three now have like nowhere to go. Uh, so they come upon like an old wooden shack. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they find this guy in there who doesn't want to let them in. But then they do eventually come in, and they find out that he's a blind man. But the reason why he's blind <laughs> is because back in the day, uh, Hidetora, he was... Okay, so he was a member of one of the families that he basically it's getting convoluted killed, here. And that uh, he ordered uh, this child's eyes gouged out. <laughs> Yeah, so... So, like, I, I referenced earlier that Hidetora did some sketchy shit in the past. Precisely it, yeah, and yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> this is that. This is... That's it. Prime example. Um, so he's so, like, oh, I... I don't know. I don't like you, but I'm gonna play this flute. <laughs> I don't like you, but I'm gonna show you my hospitality. Yeah, by playing this flute. Of the heart. Exactly. By playing this shrill flute for you. Exactly. Um, and so, like, needless to say, this horrifies everybody involved. Uh, and, <laughs> like, this further underscores the descent into madness of uh, Hidetora. Yeah, he's really gone. So this 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 blind kid, his relationship is confusing. Cause, okay, so he's Jiro's Jiro's wife. wife's brother brother yes who and jiro's wife is who this other lady jiro's original wife lady sue sue anyway yeah anyway it doesn't matter there's this guy he fucked over in the past basically yeah and he awakens some demons yeah um so he's like fully descending into madness he doesn't know where he is uh but meanwhile in jiro's castle 
what's his name, Kurogane gets ordered to kill his wife, Tsue. <laughs> yeah. And he's a little bit not down with that. But he's not down with that, so he, I guess he, like, pretends to do it, and then, uh, he comes back with his head in wrapped, his head wrapped in cloth, and, uh, he, uh, unwraps it, and, uh, and it's a, basically, no, it's a fox, fox head? head? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he proceeds to make a funny joke about the uh, yeah. sly fox. This guy immediately, well, this guy wins me over right here. Yeah, exactly. And why, uh, basically, there's this whole, like, he's not so subtly hinting that uh, Lady Kaeda is uh, manipulating uh, Jiro. Yeah, extremely uh, uh, overtly <laughs> implies it. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, um, this all, uh, this is all happening, um, in the meantime, there's news of, you know, uh, apparently Saburo is coming back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, he will. They're saying, like, Saburo is crossing the river or something like that, um, but then, like, they're like, where, why is, he doesn't have any troops, but then they're like, oh, wait. He's reinforced by Lord Fujimaki. That's right. He's got, like, double the... So, Saburu's come back for his father, and he's like, um... So, Jiro, uh, I guess... He's got just a small contingent of guys. Yeah, he's like, uh, Jiro, you know, just give me Hidetora, and I will leave with no bloodshed. Yeah, he's like, just let me go find our father, and then I will leave, and nothing has to happen. It's all cool. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and then I guess Jiro's like, um, at first he's like, okay, sure. Yeah, well, he's like, okay, sure. But we don't know where he is. (laughs) guy, and he goes like, yeah. So, uh, once you find him, you can take him away. Yeah. But anyway, um, uh, they eventually get kind of sketched out by the fact that uh, there are more troops here. And so they're like, oh, no, we need to make a preemptive strike. Yeah, well, he, Jiro gets extremely, like, you know, thirsty, power thirsty. And he's like, yeah. huh, I could, like, take more power and territory all of a sudden, you know? Yeah, exactly. I should do that right now so while I we, have in the fact, opportunity. we, in fact, need to attack Saburo, which he does, uh, but also but meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, they find the fool comes running up to them and is and like, "He's like, this is where uh, Hidetora is." Exactly. So then they ride off with a contingent. Saburo rides to off. go find Hidetora. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Lady Su- Sue and uh, the guy with no eyes, her brother, are uh, what are they doing again? They're just leaving. They're fleeing because yeah, they're they, fleeing because I, I think she name? knows that she's that uh, Lady Kate is gonna try to kill her. Yeah, the the, the cool guy, the awesome guy, warned Kuragane. warned him. Yes. Yeah. So they're leaving, uh, and uh, but they're like, "Oh no, we forgot the flute." <laughs> not not they specifically. The fucking kid is like, "I forgot my flute. I have to go back for it." But that obviously means he can't go back for it. So like the well, the, the guy with no like, eyes, yeah, the guy with no eyes. No, like, but then he's like, I don't know, I, I don't really need the flute. It's okay. <laughs> like, no, that's later. At that moment in time, he's like, he insists, I need it. 
Yeah, so they and go back the to the flute. the old lady goes back. The old lady goes back to the flute, but she never comes back. Like, they're, they're like, yeah, their attendant goes back. So Sue and, and Eyeless Guy keep running away. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then they, uh, okay, so there's this big battle. That's big a one. lot of this movie. It's big battles, and yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Good shit. It's, Good uh, shit. and basically, um, there's this battle happening, and, uh, Turns out that there's a, a bunch that part of Lord Fujimaki's army was actually a decoy, and that instead of fighting on like this plane, uh, that they were actually uh, taking the first castle. They were sneakily his, taking the other while, castle while the the main army was fighting uh, them, Saburo and Lord Fujimaki's army. But they uh, pulled it all, and they were also uh, kind of getting their ass kicked because Saburo has guns. Well, not just that; they all have guns. Well, they Saburo all have guns. Was, yeah, Saburo, Saburo was, has uh, them like uh, hiding in the trees. Yeah, they were like all in the trees, so their numbers were useless. Exactly. Anyway, Saburo is kicking ass in this battle. Uh, but okay, now we're at the flute part. Now, so uh, the, the guy is like. Well, no, she didn't come back with the flute. I don't know. I don't really need the flute. Let's just get the fuck out of here. Yeah. But Lady Tsue is like, you know, no, we need to get the fucking flute. I'm going back for the I'm fucking flute. I'm going back for the flute. But don't worry. Take this picture of the Buddha to protect you. Yeah, take this fucking piece of paper to protect you. <laughs> and the he's like, can... kind of like, really? But okay, I guess. I mean. <laughs> like this. Like this is not what has Buddha done for me yet? Yeah, I know. And then she's just like trust, um, and then because she's like super religious or super uh, yeah super yeah, religious yeah yeah. Um, and so she never comes back either. Uh, we we are at the uh, back at Jiro Jiro's army, and uh, one of the guys is uh, riding in with uh, <laughs> something wrapped in cloth. Oh yeah, right. And then it, it it's unwrapped, and it turns out that it's uh, Lady Tsue's head. Uh, I guess Kurgan like, sees this. Just he's horrified. Yeah, he's horrified. He's like, "Come on!" So um, <laughs> then one of my favorite scenes in the movie, <laughs> Kurgana confronts Lady Kaeda, and then she's like, oh, yeah. "Yes, she's like, you drove the Ichimanji clan into ruin," and and he's like. Why did you fucking wreck everything? And she's like, because I hate the Ichimanji clan. Because they ruined yeah. my life. Which is yeah, true. Fuck- yeah, yeah. <laughs> she like witnessed her mom kill herself in front yeah. of her. Uh, and-, and then had to live in that room as yeah. like, you know. Yeah, and then... Uh, but then he's like, Ah, uh, well, I guess he admitted it. But now I'm going to decapitate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he does that and there is One a go. lot of blood <laughs> big slice yeah that's great scene great slash great yeah, excellent camera still. work too <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how the camera just kind of moves out of the way and you just see the blood so good yeah <laughs> uh anyway um what was i gonna say anyway so she gets killed uh Jura gets killed too um <laughs> 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 Basically, Jiro's army got fucked. Uh, basically, Saburo and Fujimaki now are basically taking over all the castles. And Saburo has been reunited with Hidetora. 
and he's like, "Oh, father, how good is it? How good it is to see you again!" And finally, then, like finally, we can be after all this time, we can again. be father and son again. I'm sorry that and, I said all those things about you and that I banished you, but <laughs> yeah, like I love you. I can't wait to have a one-on-one talk with you. That's all I want in this world. That's yeah. all I need to be happy. And then some sort of straggling members of Zero's army shoot Hidtora. No, shoot Sabara. <laughs> yeah. And, and Sabara dies, falls like over that. dead. Yeah, then they run away. But uh, anyway, the fool and uh, Hidetora react to this, and uh, they are uh, dismayed, you know. Like, how could yeah. this happen? You know, what did yeah. he do to deserve this? And Hidetore then Hidetore, Hidetore dies, dies of, of shock, essentially. Dies of uh, something. He just dies. Yeah. Being old. He dies of grief. Yeah. Dies of grief. Um, and uh, instantaneously. Instantaneously. So now the fool has a little speech. Yeah. Starts to blaspheme just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what about the Buddha? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. But gets yeah. cut off before it goes too far. Well, I mean, uh, and then sort of we, that happens. And then in the final scene, now everybody's dead. We now cut to, uh, what's the guy, what's his name, the guy with his eyes uh, cut out? Surumanu. Su- no. Surumaru. Surumaru. Surumaru? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I probably said that wrong. I'm sorry, that should have got... been in the pronunciation guide. Surumaru, uh, you know. Is, um, he's like, uh hanging out he's got his buddha he's he's got his buddha and he's kind of hanging out just kind of precariously sitting on a ledge because that's just where he that's where they left him (laughs) yeah they just left him in the fucking ruins so he starts wandering towards the ledge with his stick yeah and he accidentally drops the fucking buddha thing off the cliff well, because he almost falls off the cliff, so he, yeah. tried, he, he has to stagger to catch himself, yeah. and he drops the picture of the Buddha, and it flutters down. Yeah, oh yeah, and we're also shown that nearby the shack where they went to go buy and find the flute, there are now two decapitated bodies. Two, yeah, two corpses with no heads. I wonder where they went. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so he's just kind of left there all alone, and then I think we, I think the final shot is just on a picture of the Buddha. <laughs> Yeah, either that or the wide shot of just the him. Yeah, yeah, that that's it's it, one of the other. But that's the end. That's it. Everybody so there dies. There you go. That's that's your film. I don't know and, if you And r- does that sound familiar to anyone? Do you <laughs> recognize it from anything you may have studied or read in your free time? If you uh yeah, um if you studied Shakespeare in high school, <laughs> you may recognize that this is the plot of King Lear. <laughs> <laughs> Now, not identically. Not identical, but very close. I mean, I think thematically it's more different than it is, like, plot-wise. Yeah, like, I think, like, Because, I mean, I think the biggest... Act by act, it's the same. But, like, I think the biggest difference is, like, uh, that Hidetora is kind of a dick, but King Lear is just an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get into all, you know, that's all for part two. Yeah, as we said earlier, so we're, we'll get into all the King Lear stuff in part two. So we'll put we'll put the brakes on all of this for now, and we can move on. But yeah, hopefully uh, that didn't take too long. <laughs> to oh, that was fine. Explain that. But yeah, it's there's a lot of moving pieces. It's a big long movie. It's like three something hours. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a, kind of a difficult movie to do a, a synopsis brief synopsis of. of. But I think I hit <laughs> on all the main points. Yeah, so. I think you did a pretty freaking good job there. Um, do you have any initial thoughts before we really get into some stuff here? Yes, fucking excellent. This movie's <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know, if you like big epic battle scenes, this is the movie for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell me what what drew you to this movie in the first place. So basically, I first heard of this movie uh, because... In my high school English class, where I studied Shakespeare, <laughs> by the way, what a coincidence! Where, uh, there is this, uh, there was this movie poster on the wall, and it was for this movie, and I thought it looked fucking cool. There was like uh, a big guy on a horse. They were Man, all wearing yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. uh, classic like um, like samurai type armor on it, and then. Uh, there was just this uh yeah it I'm said sure ran we'll and the, then it had these the like kanji characters on it as well and i just thought it looked really cool uh and a character Sawa who i'd heard of before so that's why i watched this movie initially and it completely ticked all those boxes yeah it's just so I, also like if you've listened to this podcast you probably have like gleaned the fact that i like epic films long epic big <laughs> films yes and this is definitely that this yeah is exactly that one hundred percent. Yeah, every frame in this movie looks like a painting. Well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> there is a reason for that, yeah. which we will get into next week yes. more so. But the long and the short of it is that there is a painting. Yeah, for every every scene. scene. Yeah, no, no, at least I don't frame, know what every but, frame, but yeah, it is uh, framed. Like every... Oh, yeah. Like, it's definitely, like, the blocking and uh, staging is all, like, very, very particular. Uh, like, yeah. this is kind of a classic uh, hallmark of a Kurosawa movie. Kuros- yeah. Kurosawa movie is that, like, you know, everybody is meticulously staged. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. And, like, the actors are all blocked, in, like, yeah. a perfect line. Yeah. <laughs> it's all... It's all... It's, like, I mean... It's very, uh, um, like... Also, this movie it's it's a lot like a, a, a Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, but this I was gonna say also lo- like Wes Anderson or whatever, right? Like it's all yeah, like right. very geometric and like everything, right? Like that is true. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's good shit. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, it's excellent. I love this movie. When was the first time you watched it? And did you like? Was it that time that I showed it to you while we were making beer? Yeah, I think that was the first time I watched it. Yeah. Because <laughs> we needed, yeah, we needed something that was like gonna take a while. <laughs> we needed something, yeah, that it was exactly like two and a half hours or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was this movie, and yeah, and then it was this movie. It was spot on, a little bit longer. I yeah, think, but like the one thing I will concede is like this movie is somewhat hard to follow. It's hard to follow, <laughs> but I think the subtitles definitely, honestly, with me helped following what was going on specifically. Right. Um, cause I caught a lot of little things cause I find, you know, with old, yeah, I mean, one, one of the things I find with the subtitles, like, especially in a movie like this, which is so visual is that like, oftentimes I'll miss something in the subtitles because I was busy admiring like the vistas or whatever. Yeah. That is a difficult, like, uh, yeah, there's a difficult battle there. Yeah, it's kind exactly. Of a, 
a back and a forth between like trying to figure out what's going on by reading the dialogue and like wanting to just stare at every corner of every frame. Exactly, yeah. Um so, so it yeah. does benefit from rewatches. It definitely movie. does. Yeah, I would I would say it does. But even not, even without it, it, yeah. it is just visually awesome yeah. without I I would also that. say like uh unlike last week's film, which definitely like I think the spoilers make it definitely less good. Uh, knowing what happens in this movie does not affect my enjoyment of this movie. No, yeah, that's honestly unrelated, really, to the ultimate yeah, outcome. As like, most people, I guess. Well, I mean, it's a it's an adapted story, so that's yeah, kind of exactly. without saying that. It's so kinda... it's like you know the the what's interesting about this film is like not what happens, but how it happens, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So. So this film you, we we mentioned it's based off of King Lear. Yes. Which is not entirely accurate. I mean, I mean it's 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 plot and structure are taken from King Lear, but it the the impetus for the movie did not come from King Lear. No, he did not read King Lear and think I need to make this into a film. Or no. perhaps he did, but it was not originally tied to this film <laughs> no definitely uh so i think initially he had this idea that he wanted to make a uh a historical type film about uh this legendary uh japanese daimyo and he initially did not have uh like a story for it he just had all these ideas right yeah which is uh it's kind of similar again to Stanley Kubrick and uh, Barry Lyndon, except you know not exactly. Yeah, sure. He just, just kind of wanted to make like that kind of movie, but he didn't actually have a story to do it with. So yeah, he just and Barry the, I mean it's different because I guess he had he had all the research done. So I guess that's kind of why he wanted to do it. But still, yeah. Um, Although so, uh, I would also say that uh, Kagamusha uh, is definitely. Was also probably good research for. The, I mean, Akira Akur, Kurosawa was definitely familiar with this period because he'd done so much shit set at this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is this is kind of because I don't know if we we'll go uh, again. We'll go into his kind of whole career next week as we lay kind of the foundation and we do the uh, the uh, production. Uh, this is kind of like late on and later in his career, right? Like it's yes. So this was nineteen eighty five. I don't know. No, it's not his last film. Oh, okay. Uh, this is nineteen eighty five, so it was like very late in his career. Um, yeah, and it doesn't. It feels like ten years. Like it was made ten years before that, doesn't? The it? reason for that is because of the like how epic it is. And it's yeah. like I think people stopped making movies like that after the sixties. Basically, <laughs> they stopped making them in that style. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, it's not like it looks dated or anything. It just it's the kind of movie that it is. Is no, yeah, it's is not a movie that that's feeling. often kind of made, you know, in this day and age, or even in the eighties. Yeah. So, so the guy he based it off of it uh, was a warlord named Mori Motonari. Mm-hmm. Do you want to read this quote just before we get into it that uh, Kurosawa said about this guy, this warlord? What that he says? Uh, I like his personality. He lived far from Kyoto. If he lived in Kyoto, he would have united Japan. <laughs> so uh, Kyoto, for those of you who don't know, was at the time uh, the basically the capital of Japan, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the that was the center, yeah, the center of action. So this is just a little quote 
uh, to describe who this guy was from uh, Harry Cook's 1993 book, Samurai, Samurai the Story of uh, a Warrior Tradition. Mori Modinari maintained that even close relatives should not be trusted. According to one well-known story, uh, Modinari once gave uh, each one of his three sons a single arrow and invited them to break it. He then gave them three arrows to show how difficult it was to break the arrows when they were held together. Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that scene is fully lifted and put into this movie. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene where he gives the arrows. and uh, Well, yeah, exactly. Well, what I was looking into is apparently... So this is an extremely well-known kind of parable, like the three ar- arrows... Yeah. Like, I think I actually heard it before, but even more so in Japan, it's 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 more well-known. Uh, just as some examples of how well-known it is, I've included just a few links here, just for things, uh, some popular culture things that's been included in. This guy has been referenced in. Yeah, exactly. The parable and, and this warlord. So the first one's a chair. Right. That has a great description. As the parable of the powerful Damio... Uh, Mori Motinari's Three Arrows demonstrates one single component may lack the strength needed, but a plurality of parts united can provide that strength. This chair allows children to experience that truth in practical terms by assembling the chair themselves. Okay. <laughs> it goes on, but... Uh, I mean, seeing this chair, I guess it does have three sort of main pieces but it's like main pieces yeah it's a good it's a fun looking little chair but i i'm not sure i see the analogy <laughs> yeah it's a pretty dramatic chair um yeah. it's very japanese looking like read the first set will you just do me a favor and read the first sentence on this website it is beyond oh, fantasy to imagine any kind of quick fix or magic bullet that could eradicate the terrorism flaring up all over the world but it is unrealistic <laughs> to see education as an effective means of ameliorating the situation. This is a Japanese website, stuff. right? Yeah, I think this is translated. I didn't translate I, I, it. But... I'm pretty sure that's probably not a good translation. <laughs> probably not. The terrorism flaring up. <laughs> um, so the next one we have is the uh, the Mori Dance Troupe. Okay. Called Samurai Ninja Theater. Well, these these guys look like they're serious. These guys are awesome. This is awesome. So the guy, the lead guy uh, in this dance troupe has kind of branded himself as like the uh, Matinari, uh, Mori Matinari. And they do essentially, um, here, let me read the description. The one hour show costs you 2,000 yen. While I'm reading this, you need to figure out how much that is in Canadian dollars. Okay, how much yen? 2,000 yen. So the one-hour show costs 2,000 yen, though the fee includes a soft drink, beer, or cocktail. 2280 That's not bad. That, that's really cheap. The fee includes a soft drink, beer, or cocktail, which can be enjoyed at your seat. Split into two parts, the first half of the show is made up of a leaping ninja performance. Um, some yeah, more man, this is definitely worth my twenty-two eighty. <laughs> Already, you're, I'm sold. Yeah, like you, you can have it. And historical reconstructions introducing the three Mori clan samurai who are the stars of the show. What? Uh, Taro, Jiro, and Saburo. 
I think that's who they're supposed to be. Well, I mean, Matanari, not that they are actual people, but... Matanari is a leader of the Aki Hiroshima Bushota, uh, Bushotai gang and takes center stage. Under Mori Matanari of the Tale of the Three Arrows fame, the Mori clan expanded their uh, power base from a small enclave in the... See, they start giving a history lesson here. Yeah. So, yeah. And then there's, a, no, there's also... Uh, <laughs> Do you, do you want to take the lead on this next one? Do you want to click this next one and tell me about this next one? Okay. Um, I'm just going to say right off the bat, I know nothing about Japanese politics. So. No, me neither. Me neither. Me neither. This is totally out of context Japanese politics. We're jumping into. Um, so the title of the thing you have linked me to is called Abenomics and the Three <laughs> Arrows Explained. <laughs> so the former prime minister of Japan now. This I is guess. from 2013. 2014, yeah. sorry. Uh, Shinzo Abe was famous for this term called Abenomics, which I don't actually know what it is. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about it. But it's, um, three, it's also known as the Three Arrow Plan. Right. Basically, the idea is that the key parts of the Abenomics like, theory can be summarized with the Three Arrows. But... Um, it's a it's a it's like a fiscal yeah thing right okay so it's uh, supposed to like the way they were gonna like bring their economy up and it was about doing all these three things at once yes right, because to, like, japan was suffering from a situation known as stagflation right which is something i also can't explain right now <laughs> yeah not relevant to this podcast <laughs> Well, I mean, I, th- I think these are going to be some pretty dry arrows. <laughs> well, we don't need to read the arrows. No, I think, I think we, we need to say what each arrow is. Okay, okay. So the first arrow is dramatic monetary easing. Oh, yeah. Well, that's an important one. Uh, but that arrow alone, if you just do that, it's not going to work. Then the second arrow is a robust fiscal policy. <laughs> well, if you just do that alone, that's not going to work either. And the third arrow... Policies for growth to spur private investment. Now, that's a good arrow, but if you do that again, just by itself, it's not going to work. Will Abenomics succeed? I don't know. This article was written a while ago. Did it succeed? I don't know. Japanese people tell me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Email us. Let us know. Did this work? He's not prime minister anymore. He resigned, I think, uh, because of stress, (laughs) is what he said. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say I was just gonna say I don't know if he's prime minister anymore, but I don't know he is for not. what reason that is. Yeah, uh, he resigned, I think, for health reasons. There you go. I hope he's doing okay. Yeah, unless he's a dirtbag. I don't know. I don't know. Japanese people. I know nothing about politics. I do yeah, not know yeah, whether yeah, or not he's a dirtbag or not. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, move right on from that. There's um, also apparently a trading card based on this guy, but we've my point has been made, I think, is right. that this guy is is it's it's well known and that's where he got the idea for the for the film is from this arrow parable that everybody seems yeah. to have heard of. Well what I will um, say is that this entire movie reminded me of a card game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, oh, a God. very a very rare card game, I think. Actually, what did I just do? Um, it, it's, it's, I think it's a shit. pretty uncommon card game anyway uh, it's called Honor of the Samurai and uh, it's taught me a lot of things about this Sengoku period interesting I've never played it well yeah you haven't you refuse every time I, we, we, we ask if you want to play it 
it's uh anyway uh and there's all anyway i i kept thinking like oh you know when uh when jiro's sorry when saburo's men came out of the woods they're like man he's using the gunpowder weapons card <laughs> i don't know what that means <laughs> never played that game right those of you who have played that game it's a great game we'll know what he's talking about and i'm sure we'll get that joke and and guffaw at the appropriate degree yeah but I, I can't, unfortunately. So if, if Felix or any of my brothers are listening, you'll get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's this... Yeah, he's well known for this parable, which they put right into the movie. I assume that I guess most Japanese people probably would have recognized that that would have been a reference to that. I think so. I th- It seems to be pretty well known. Right. Okay. Um, so now we're going to do a little bit of a miniature truth. We're only playing a bit of it. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Just a tiny bit. Because it's just a little miniature truth. It's, <laughs> but it's you unrelated. knew what that was from that. Yeah. And we, all, and we, all, <laughs> we all knew what that was. It was the truth theme and nothing else. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we TV have show. the copyright to that. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure we own that. Yeah. Anyway. I'm sure that's ours. So in in reality, the uh, the arrow parable is not true. But Do we know for a fact that it's not true? Probably. It's assumed that it's probably not true. But right. here's the thing is I really I mean, I don't if he know said why. that, how would they know that how would they know that he didn't say that? Exactly. I don't know why because Unless they have evidence the that somebody else made it up. That's what I was yeah. you know, that's the thing, is I was looking because everybody seems so sure that it probably didn't happen. And then everyone kept saying, it's like, how do you know he never said happen. that? I mean, exactly. So I, I, w- I would I understand Googling. if they had like evidence that like this was basically made up by somebody else. So that, yeah, that's what I was looking for. I unfortunately couldn't find anything like that, but at least not in English, not in English. And yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking is maybe there's some more information, not in English, but yeah. maybe by next week I'll have uncovered this. So, okay. We'll see. Um, but in reality, uh, 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 Murray, uh, was, a was a cunning strategist. So the point being, he he he's famous because he won this uh, specific battle that I just wanted to walk you through because it might sound a bit familiar. Okay. So I'm just gonna read a bit of an extract, uh, an excerpt rather, sorry, from uh, Stephen Turnbull's *The Samurai in Military History*. In 1514, Mori began began hostilities, but faced with an enemy who could muster 30,000 men, decided that a stratagem was necessary. Now it happened that certain of Mori's generals had suggested fortifying the island of Miyajima. This island, also known as Itsukushima, contained the shrine so beloved of the Tierra clan. It lies about 12 miles southwest of Hiroshima. There's an old tradition connected with Miyajima. It was one strictly enforced religious rule that Miyajima should not be polluted by the occurrence of either a birth or a death. Kind of an interesting rule. Um, There is still no cemetery on Miyajima, Um, although this book was written in 1977, I believe, so that might not be true anymore. I don't know. Maybe. I I assume they would keep it. (laughs) Keep that rule, but yeah. Yeah. The dead are buried on the mainland, and the mourners undergo purification rituals before returning. Mori Montanari was fully aware of this rule, but was enough of an opportunist to put religion on or put religion on one side and treat the holy 
island as a potential Trojan horse. So wow. this is where it gets that is bad interesting. form. That is extremely bad form. So this is where it gets. Did he just ambush them on the on the island? Kinda. So this is what he does. He constructed a fortress on Miyajima, set us ostent or set ostentatiously near the great shrine. Um, and then the castle was manned by May in 1555. So it took a while to build this fucking. Well, like, yeah, this it's a, a fucking long... castle. Yeah. So soon after building it, he began to publicly bewail his quote folly in building a castle that could so easily be captured by Sue, who soon obligingly. And this is the guy who who is he's fighting clearly, obviously. Yeah who soon obligingly commandeered a fleet of junks and captured Mayajima in an almost bloodless struggle. Mori, in the meantime, was busy capturing the castle directly across the strait, thus cutting off Su's means of retreat. Uh, the latter fortified the castle with a garrison of 500 men and encamped the rest of the army on the island. An impressive show of strength, no doubt. But the fact that Sue had his entire army on the island with him made the situation look uncomfortably like a siege. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It's like, well, yeah. you know, you're trying to siege my castle? Well, now I'm sieging your castle. <laughs> I'm sieging you. Try and siege me, will you? Oh, yeah. I'll siege you. <laughs> yeah, that's um, funny. So finally, uh, for Mori, it was a, a question of how and when to launch a surprise attack. The odds were five to one, but surprise would be easy to achieve, as Sua, in his watery fastness, felt sufficiently secure to dispense with centuries. The Mori army eventually set sail on a dark October night, during a blinding rainstorm. They were transported across the strait by pirates, um, whom Mori ordered to return after landing his army so that no boats would be available for a retreating enemy. Then the army was divided in two, one contingent uh, under the Mori, father and son, and the other, Kikua, Kikua, sailed around the northern tip of the island to land on a beach a mile or so behind Sua's camp. Um, the other force, slightly less than 1,500 men, uh, under Kobayakawa, Kobayakawa, sailed directly down the strait for a few miles, then doubled back, went out of sight of the castle to make a frontal assault, assault at dawn. The same time that, that the others attacked the rear. The surprise was total, and to the accompaniment, accompaniment of shell trumpets, Daimori Samurai carried all before them, finding that they were that there were no boats in which to escape, the Sioux troops committed suicide by the hundred, either by drowning or by time honored method. The time honored method, I assume they referred so, to Sabuku. Yes. Yeah, as for the pollution of death, Mori Montnari saw to it the, that the island was wiped <laughs> clean of blood. I don't know if that's gonna... I don't know if that's good um, enough, but yeah. According to uh, Stephen Turnbull, the gods evidently approved for the victory of Miyajima raised his family to a position of preeminence in Western Japan. And yeah, so for the rest of his history, he, he was pretty successful in, uh, in uh, Western Japan. Wow. He kicked ass. So he was a, he was shifty. Yeah, but yeah, he did he definitely did some questionable uh, you know, activities uh, you know, 
Yeah, I think there was. I just thought there was some familiar shiftiness in that story. So what, I like I'd kind of it. like uh, surprising and attacking the castle when they weren't looking? Yeah, and like the yeah, exactly. It's like the the uh, decoy and then the surprise attack at a different yeah, castle. And, exactly. I don't know. I thought I thought just maybe if you know, uh, uh, Kurosawa was you know obsessed with this guy and looking into it, maybe he he. He lifted some stuff because this is the battle he's the most famous for. This guy, like this yeah. is his his opus, right? So I don't know. Maybe he read it and, and lifted some details from that. Maybe not. Uh, but yeah. So this is this is kind of a, 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 a so Kurosawa yeah decided to base his film on this parable because he thought it was cool. But um, yeah, so, so uh, he 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 had he thought that uh, basically it would be good to put like a little bit of a spin on it though. Uh, and as Kur- yeah. Kurosawa says, uh, he wanted to uh, put a little bit of a spin on on this movie to make it more interesting. And uh, as he said in an interview with uh, Gerald Perry, uh, Peary, my mistake, sorry. As he said in an interview with Gerald Peary, uh, when I read the three arrows together are invincible, that's not true. Kurosawa said, recalling the evolution of his screenplay, I started doubting, and that's when I started thinking. The house was prosperous, and the sons were courageous. What if this fascinating man had bad sons? So there you go. What if this fascinating man had bad bad sons? Yeah. Uh, we're going to come back to what he did with this next week. Yeah. Although, uh, I think the real uh, Motonari uh, would... Uh... Would not have trusted his sons. No, because like you said earlier. Don't trust anyone, even your family. <laughs> don't even trust your family because they're going to fuck you over. Especially not your family. <laughs> well, you didn't say oh, that. Oh, well, but... that, rem- that actually, that reminds me. I totally forgot to put this in the outline, so now I'm glad that reminded me. When I was reading about this guy, so first his father died suddenly of alcohol poisoning, and then his brother died suddenly who was inherit or who inherited the kingdom died suddenly of alcohol poisoning are you saying he assassinated them <laughs> he I'm not poisoned done. them so then this kid's son became a child uh warlord essentially and uh you know was kind of in charge for a few years while the while uh uh uh, uh, uh what's his name the guy we've just been talking about Motinari? whose first name i can't seem to remember Motinari, yeah yeah he he was his regent, um, and then this kid suddenly died as well. So are you saying that it was an assassination that he poisoned I'm them? saying, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying three people died in order for this guy to be, get to power. That's all I'm saying. Right. <laughs> three right. people died suddenly. Well, you know, it happens. It happens. <laughs> so, you know, it's not unheard of. But anyway, yeah, it's not unheard of that uh, you know people poison people. (laughs) (laughs) Are you threatening me? No, I'm just saying, like you know, I think there are plenty of examples uh, in history and currently of uh, you know (laughs) rulers knocking off their uh, immediate uh, you know rivals. There's a shocking amount of current leaders poisoning people around. Well, not necessarily poisoning, but other means of assassination. I think there's more than one poisoning leader right now, though. Did Mohammed bin Salman poison anybody? Hmm? Did Mohammed bin Salman poison anybody? I thought he was more into just, like, dismemberment. 
No, he hasn't poisoned anybody. Not that uh, that we know of. I'm sure he's poisoned somebody. I mean, he's assassinated people, like lots of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I yeah, guess yeah, not necessarily by poison. Yeah, but no, no. no. Uh, so Kim Jong Un killed his brother. Oh, that was by poison. Yeah, that was definitely poison. And then obviously the other one, Which who's other listening one? all the time. Putin. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> So there's two. He, right he wasn't there. related, though. He wasn't, but we didn't even. We didn't <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I mean, specifically it. with family of people poisoning their, uh, you know, extended family. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Putin obviously poisoned people. <laughs> so with that, um, uh, let's play that sound effect from your Russian camera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about how they shot it. How? How did they shoot it? Um. Okay. So, well, very well. <laughs> Extremely well. That's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> With extreme care. Exactly. So, uh, first things first. We have actually three cinematographers. Is that because of units, or are they just all working together? Or do well, I mean, I will kind of probably explain why there were. We'll get into it, okay? But um, so. The three cinematographers uh, were Takao Saito, Masahuru Ueda, and Asakuzu Nakai. Okay. I I assume at least one of them has worked with him before, because that seems to be a theme. Yes, I'm pretty sure they all have. <laughs> have they all worked on one movie before at the same time? I, I I don't know for a fact if they have, but they may have. They may have. So, um... Uh, we also have many assistant cameras, so I'm not going to name them <laughs> But they were there, and they did their job. And we are thankful. They were unnamed? No, I, I just... Do I have to read all of them right now? You're, how many are there? Tell me how many there are, and I'll tell you if you have to read all of them. Well, okay, there's like ten. Okay, no, you don't have to Because they, do they, they haven't listed first and second assistant camera. Right. Oh, they're just all assistant cameras. cameras. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get into why it's uh, there's so many. Yeah, well, I mean, part of that is just because I think they probably didn't list them separately. <laughs> I mean, That's part of it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't. I actually don't know how the Japanese film industry works, so it's possible that like they don't have the exact same positions that we do here in the West. Right, right, right. There might not be a first AC as we are familiar. Yeah, with exactly. It. Uh, the roles might be slightly different, right? But um, yeah. Anyway. So, uh, Kurosawa, like, for this movie, every shot, like, beforehand was meticulously planned on paintings. And he produced, <laughs> like, hundreds of paintings before the, for this, before it ever got to film. Uh, yeah. and sort of that, that is, I think, how, like, he planned out this, this very specific, like, framing. Like, it was all, and I mean, like, I mean, unfortunately, we can't show you any of these paintings, but they're all very interesting. And like, but yeah, you can we'll, see that, we'll like, post some of them. Yeah, but he definitely like, like this was all, like planned out way in advance. Um, yeah, of, we'll talk again next week. But like, yeah, this was a long time coming. Yeah, and so it was. Uh, 
shot on 35 millimeter film what it wasn't digital no it wasn't uh i was kind of disappointed that it was shot on kodak film i was hoping that it was shot on fujifilm (laughs) just because it's a japanese movie but no it was kodak uh and they used a lot of film actually do you want to do the thing we were planning on doing the other day but we stopped oh yeah where we figured out how much film would cost so i'm gonna live calculate this because this is a long film Let's calculate how long it would take, how much money it would have cost to shoot this film today. How much the film cost, yeah, today. Okay, so, first of all, what stock did they use? Uh, they <laughs> used uh, Eastman 125T uh, and 400T. Uh, I'm just going to go with the closest. Uh, okay, so I think the closest, let's just say nowadays they would use 200T because they don't have that exact stock available anymore something comparable exactly uh and let's assume they're buying it on 1000 foot rolls of course wait is there a bigger roll like you might be able to buy it like in bulk if you're buying like a huge amount of it but i think a thousand feet is probably like the biggest you can reasonably get right okay i mean that's that's usually the size that they'll buy it in because it like that's how much would fit in the camera right so, um, as per Kodak's current prices, twenty twenty, it costs seven hundred and ninety one dollars and forty cents U.S. for uh-huh. one thousand feet of uh, Kodak two hundred T, which is one thousand feet. I will say probably the closest available film to what they shot on. Okay. Now, for how much time? To well, the final cut of the film was two hours and forty two minutes. Yeah. Okay. So, 162 minutes. 162 minutes. I think that translates to about 400, sorry, 4,443 meters of film. Okay. So, how many meters are in a foot? 3.28 feet per meter. 3.28 feet per meter. Okay. And it's which about $790 per. So that means feet. we have. 14,500 feet of film, roughly. <laughs> oh, God. 14,576. 14, that's in the print. That's just in the print, yeah. That's not counting the raw footage. Yeah. So, I happen to know that, uh, I mean, well, I'll just say it now because I kind of alluded to this earlier. They used three cameras on pretty much every shot. <laughs> so, so let's, let's, let's just multiply that by three, Okay. Okay. That's, yeah, they three cameras on every shot. And so let's say that they that what they shot worked out like okay, it's not Stanley Kubrick here, so let's go with a reasonable uh say <laughs> they shot um, you know, let's say six to one. You know. Sure. So they shot every scene averages out to six times. Sure. That seems reasonable. Which we will talk later that there are scenes that they did not shoot six times yeah no 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 no. Uh, some of these scenes were done in one take for sure they had to um exactly so then we have let's say six to one okay so the final film in feet this is let's say this is all the film they would have needed to to do yeah is a our estimation is yeah, two hundred sixty-two thousand three hundred eighty-one feet of film. Two hundred sixty-two thousand three hundred eighty-one. Now, 
The smallest amount of film you could buy is 400 feet in 35 millimeters. So we're going to round okay. that up to uh, 262,400. 262,400. Okay. So let's just do 262,000 firstly, and then we'll add the 400 because it's a different price in 400 feet. Yeah, okay. Times the price of 1,000 feet. We divide by a thousand. <laughs> so that's two hundred seven thousand dollars, two hundred seven thousand three hundred forty-six dollars and eighty cents for just the thousand-foot rolls, and then we need to actually add one extra four hundred-foot roll to to finish that. Oh yeah, to get the number exactly correct. To get the yeah, number exactly what... correct. Uh, so that is three hundred sixteen dollars. <laughs> so the final number of what we think they spent on film or what they would spend on film if they were buying it today rather. So if they were to shoot this nowadays, they would they would spend two hundred and seven thousand six hundred and thirty three dollars and thirty nine sorry, six hundred and sixty three dollars and thirty nine cents on film. So what is that round what's the best rounded number to to that? We'll just say two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> 200,000. Oh, yeah, 2,000. Yeah. So, which is actually, considering the budget of this movie was around 11 million, even in those days, not a huge part of the budget. <laughs> yeah, really, not. not this, is assuming, this is assuming they were shooting six to one, which isn't always the case. Like, if it's Stanley Kubrick, then it's like, you know. 40,000 to one. Yeah. However, if this is an independent movie, that's a huge portion of the budget. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like, oh, jeez. We have to spend that mu- how much? Yeah, you know exactly. So it's like it's like pretty much every movie is gonna cost like, yeah, it's gonna cost probably at least a hundred thousand dollars of film on thirty five. Well, you do it on sixteen millimeter, it's gonna cost that. Oh, and I haven't even factored in lab fees. Oh God, which yeah, is probably right, gonna double actual... that number, to be honest. Yeah, right. The actual like processing of the film. So if you were to shoot this movie nowadays, which is to be fair a long movie, <laughs> like, and they had three cameras going. Imagine if they made you would this movie. Basically, today. spend half a million dollars on film, which is what Quentin Tarantino does for every movie. So that's a Quentin. <laughs> we, so we basically just figured out how much Quentin Tarantino, how much of Quentin Tarantino's budget is spent on film. I assume he spends it based on these calculations, unless he's getting a different price that's in this catalog, which is possible because he's Quentin Tarantino. Possible. <laughs> yeah. It's possible. I think he has a deal with Kodak. Like, probably he's probably helping keep the industry alive. Exactly. Um, so yeah, basically every movie, I, I estimated the lab fees, by the way, it's, I, I assume that it's basically, it's based on, based on what I pay for lab fees. It's like essentially the cost of the film times two. So two to 400 grand, we'll say. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, exactly. And that's, oh, wait, we didn't even factor in dailies. How, well... Wouldn't that be part... Oh, yeah, right, though. So let's just double that. Because you need to <laughs> make the dailies. Well, the dailies are probably cheaper to process, but... You know. Anyway, it's a lot of film. And it's a lot of money. Yeah. If you were to do this today. I'm sure it was still expensive then. <laughs> but honestly, a little bit less than I anticipated. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I thought it would be even more expensive to, to, to get that much film today, but... Well, I mean... There's also other reasons that shooting on film is expensive besides buying it. 
Well, on the, I mean, you yeah. need to have people that know how to use it. And he, and those people it's use just the a RNG. slower process. I think the time. Well, it factor. can be. Yeah. I uh, guess if you have all. I mean, actors are notoriously but... slow, so. Yeah, well, <laughs> you can never count on them, can you? No. Um, anyway, so that's that. That is how much film this would have taken. However, let's talk about what they put on that film. Yes. <laughs> so, like, as I said earlier, uh, there were basically three cameras going at all times, um, which I assume is why they had three cinematographers. Makes sense. And that obviously makes a ton of sense for this film for a couple reasons. One of them is, uh, like, Kurosawa likes to use generally really long lenses, like telephotos. Generally, these are shot with uh, telephotos standing really far away. Like, yeah, because a telephoto is like really zoomed in, right? So in order yeah. to get the same shot as you would with a regular lens, you need to be standing really far back. So I think we're talking about like probably he's using like an eighty-five millimeter for most of this movie. An eighty-five millimeter lens for most of the movie. The reason, one of the reasons for that is what that does is that really like compresses the perspective and makes the whole world seem like more flat. Which right. I think kind of emulates the look of the art from the period that he's going after oh totally yeah yeah because if you look at old japanese art it actually doesn't have perspective yeah exactly it's got that very flat very flat two-dimensional kind of look and that really works in the worlds of this movie uh and so but the other thing is that when you do that and you have other cameras really far apart you have less of a chance of the cameras seeing each other Ah. because like generally one of the reasons why you would not want to use a multiple camera setup because you might accidentally, yeah. You, well, you get... might. It's harder to set. You have to compromise the shots so that you don't see the other cameras. Yeah, right. And for this reason, cinematographers like Roger Deakins refuse to shoot on more than one camera because they think it compromises the shot. And so we well, can't do something. That yeah, you there are certain things you can't do. Have... And so uh, I think that when he used these super long lenses, that kind of allowed him to do that. And the other thing is, we're talking about shots with lots of extras. Where you are doing <laughs> like you know um, massive massive things, and like it costs a lot of money to do each one of these. So it's like each one of these shots. So it's like if you don't want to have to do the scene three times to get the different angles, because that's just going to well, cost more money. <laughs> imagine like doing like yeah, exactly the fucking like charge scene with like you know people falling off horses plus and shit, horses like... and then. And I was like, oh, no, like, we got to reset and do it again. Like, how fucking long? And, like, that's multiple days. That exactly. Is. Like, you know? Yeah. And it's like, are, are you really going to be able to do the scene three times from three different angles and have it be consistent with that many people? No. The answer is no. Yeah. So that's why there are three cameras, and that's probably why there are three cinematographers. It, it adds up. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good uh, sleuthing. But yeah, other than that, uh, I think the uh, the film looks really good. Yeah, well, I guess that's that flat kind of, yeah, that's, again, another thing. That the colors is why everything looks so much like a painting. Yeah, I know, exactly. And uh, the, and the, and the uh, fact the that staging. it was based on painting. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. There's <laughs> literally restaging paintings. But yeah, um, yeah, I was really hoping it was shot on Fujifilm, but no, it was not. Anyway, cool. that's how they shot it. That's how they shot it. So I guess that means we have one more segment before we close her off for the day. Yeah. But what segment would that be? 
No, I don't know. It's a little segment. I don't know. <laughs> All right, welcome to Six Degrees of Star Trek, the segment in which we show you that everything is in fact connected to Star Trek. It all comes back everything. to Trek. Everything comes all back to Trek. All the roads lead back to all Trek. All the roads lead to Trek. Yep. So, uh, I have three connections. How does this film connect to Trek? How does this film connect to Trek? It connects to Trek in the normal mechanism, as we've outlined many times, in which it can be through any kind of Star Trek screen uh, appearance. And, uh right. You don't have to be in Star Trek, but if you are in something with somebody else who is in Star Trek, you can also have a connection. You can bounce off. It's a connection. It's a multiple staged. So that's what we're going to talk about here because nobody in this movie was in Star Trek, unfortunately. What? No. Yeah. Uh, I always find this annoying with Japanese movies. <laughs> you have to go through more steps. Yeah. The, the few international films that we've done has... Complicated been more the difficult. process, yeah. So, Ever so slightly. I would like to start with our our first connection. Tatsuya Nakadai, who plays Lord Hidetora Ichimonji himself. Himself, he was in a film known as Return from the River Kwai. Not to be confused with the story, the film Bridge Over the River Kwai. Oh, yeah. It cannot confuse those two very different films. Yeah, they are not related at all. Um, uh, they were One's not. None, none, none of the people were uh, involved. That were You that sure? It's, so it's not a sequel? No, it's, it's definitely not a sequel. I read up on it. Uh, okay. So Tatsuya Nakadai was in this film. He played Major Harada, I assume a Japanese soldier. Make <laughs> it's a fair assumption. But uh, who else played a soldier in that movie by the name of Lieutenant Tanaka? Is none other than George Takei. No <laughs> shit. What year was this film? Nineteen eighty-nine. No shit. So, um, yeah, that's. Our Star Trek connection is if you have not seen Star Trek the original series. Uh, that's a good what, fucking I, connection. He's yeah. close. That's a good connection. Yeah, that's a you got fucking Sulu right there. Exactly. All right. Adjacent, one might even say. Next we have actor Hisashi Igawa, who plays Kurogane. Okay. Oh yeah, the sickest dude. Kurogane who decapitates Lady Kaeda. <laughs> No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. Isn't he the one that doesn't? No, he 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 doesn't decapitate Sue. He decapitates Kaeda. Oh yeah, right. Sorry, fuck me. I'm so bad with these names. Um, he's the one in, in the in the gif that I sent you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. He's he's a sick character. Um, I was getting her mixed up with the other one. Uh, he, uh, Kurogane, played by. Hisashi Igawa. So Hisashi Igawa was in 
a film, a a nineteen ninety five television film called Hiroshima. Oh wow, it sounds dark. Uh, well, it was a sort of historical film about uh the bombing of Hiroshima. So oh. yeah, um, but we actually have two Star Trek connections in this film. No shit. Okay. What are they? The first... So what year did you say it was? Sorry. 1995. So the first is the legendary Canadian actor Saul Rubinek. Legendary Canadian actor Saul Rubinek? I don't know. Are you familiar with Saul Rubinek? I assume so. I think, yeah, that name is extremely familiar. I'm trying to... Hold on. Just, just Google him, and as soon as you see him, you'll be like, ah, that guy... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Do yeah, you yeah, remember yeah. him in Star Trek? Oh. <laughs> Can you place it? Yeah. Uh, no, who is he? Okay, so he played Kivas Fajo in the episode The Most Toys in a 1990 episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. So this is where he kidnaps Data. Oh, there he is. There he is. Yeah, I see him in his in his outfit. Yeah, yeah, it was his tattoo. Um, he kidnaps Data, and he's like, "Well, you're my my like property now." (laughs) And he's like, "Yeah," uh, because he like he like collects things. Yeah. So then we have to deal with the whole is Data a man or a machine? Yeah, that whole thing. He's a man. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he's still a machine. But he's a man! Can he be both? Picard proved it in court. That's true. That was an episode. <laughs> Although clearly it didn't stick because there was a whole controversy in Voyager about whether or not the doctor had the rights to a story that he wrote. Oh, well, he's a different... There, non-human rights are a slow process. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, that was the first connection. Uh, the other connection... That was the second connection. No, sorry, that was the first connection from Hiroshima. Oh, from this movie. Right, right, yeah, 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 that's right. Um, the other connection uh, is from... is the actor Kenneth Welsh... Who is also Canadian. Kenneth Welsh. Oh, look at that. Uh, and he was in Hiroshima and played uh, President Harry S. Truman. Did he really? Yeah, in, in that film. But he's, but he's Canadian. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> you know. Canadians play people all the time who aren't Canadian. <laughs> Insanity. Uh, oh, he was this also... This guy played Truman? Yeah. Okay. Actually, no, I can maybe a little bit younger, I can see it. Yeah. He was also in Twin Peaks as Wyndham Earl. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, there it is, right there. Yeah. That's true. Uh, but anyway. Here he is with a bunch of marijuana. <laughs> what uh, doing there? But what we care about was when he was in Star Trek. What did he do in Star Trek? Specifically, he was in Star Trek Discovery. Okay, that's why I'm not recognizing. He him. was in was... one episode uh, in person, and he was in another episode as a voice. He okay, who was he? Admiral Senatol. Oh yeah, there he is with uh, uh, what's his name? 
uh, the, is uh, it uh, the captain? Uh, Saru, is it? In wait, where, where are you? Is he the big alien guy? Uh, that was he was he was in Star Trek Discovery anyway. Um, yeah, Kevin Welsh, Star Trek Discovery. That was our third connection. We have three connections. They're all two degrees. Makes sense. So everything is connected to Star Trek, even Japanese movies. From every road leads back, or should I say, every wormhole? What? <laughs> I was trying to think of a space version of road. Right. Uh, but there every are no roads warp, in space. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> every warp. Every warp course. Or, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I feel like wormholes would be appropriate if we we're talking about Stargate, but we're not. We're not. But we're talking about Trek. Yeah, we're trekking through the stars, not trekking through yeah, the gates. Yeah, at the end of every trek is Star Trek. Is what? <laughs> I said at the end of every trek is Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. All journeys lead to Star Trek. Oh, right. At the yes, end of exactly. every track at the, is the, Star yes. Trek. Precisely. Well put. Yes. Precisely. And with that, I think we are bringing our episode to a close. That is the end of this week's episode. But we will be back next week with much more stuff. Uh, talk indeed. About... Uh, one second. We are going to talk about... What are we going to talk about, Keaton? Well, we're going to talk about the director, Kurosawa himself, a bit. We'll get a bit of background and actually kind of figure out where in his uh, career this is. And then we're going to talk kind of about the pre-production production production area. That whole thing, as we always do. And then finally, we'll get down to the bottom of what's really fucking going on here. Exactly. Because there's shit going, shit going on. There's something going on here, so yeah. we'll get to the bottom of that. So yeah, that's that's that as always. Yeah, I would uh, I would like to thank our French listeners for tuning in. Yes, thank you, French. C'est bon, mon ami. Okay, don't, don't bon. they'll, they'll they'll leave if you. <laughs> J'adore. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, so uh, we will see you uh, next week. Uh, I will yeah. play the music. Yeah, social media and all that. 